This episode of The Swell Pod is brought to you in partnership with Kiln. Kiln provides flex office space for teams and individuals. Their all-inclusive set of amenities helps startups, creatives, and entrepreneurs alike get work done. Learn more about Kiln at kiln.co. So, in today's episode, we chat with Bo Euler. Bo is a designer, uh, an entrepreneur, and a founder of Enlisted Design, where he works at the intersection of business data and design to create products experiences for some of the world's most sought after brands. His work can be found today at the Museum of Modern Art, Apple Stores, uh, Whole Foods, Target, Best Buy, and Amazon. Uh, recently, and this is the second episode that we've done with Bo, but recently enlisted Join Pattern to create an industry first that uses the soul of design and the science of data to create the right brand at the right time for the right consumer. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it, Josh? Yes. <laughs> um, we explore a ton uh, of things with Bo from, I don't know, English scones, some failures, some funny failures, uh, his vision beyond enlisted, and we dive into the experience of working with Mr. Beast on his new chocolate bar. It's a bit of Willy Wonka coming in. Anything I missed, Josh? Well, yeah, there was a good discussion on losing some teeth. And uh, (laughs) I don't know. My favorite thing about this episode, though, was when we got into the chocolate bar and we started talking about the uh, just the the attention to detail, the intentionality, going back to the connecting the dots with the story as it relates to Mr. Beast's brand and, and how they infused that story and that emotional connection into the chocolate bar. Um, really fascinating stuff. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, agreed. Um, it was those it was those magical moments where something's already really good, but then just uh, I don't know something happens. Someone says something, and then the magic kind of appears and it wouldn't have never got there without kind of the combination of people collaborating. So yeah, that was really good, wasn't it? If anyone actually hasn't heard of Mr. Beast or tried a chocolate bar, maybe uh, you can go and look it up and order one. I'm going to order one actually for my kids, but order one, tell us what you think (laughs) on our our socials. I don't know. It's uh, I've got a soft spot for cool, cool uh, products like Mr. Beast. Anyhow, should we get on? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Hope you guys enjoy. Thank you. No, but yeah, thank you though for coming on the podcast again. We know that oh, we're, yeah, for sure. we've got one of your interviews in the in the can right now, and and we will release those things. We just kind of had like this kind of crazy little whirlwind of stuff happen, but yeah, it's gonna yeah. be good to chat with you again and. You know, it was interesting because I know, like, I I actually listened back to the episode, and you know, I was like, I'm so stoked to be talking to you to you again. Like, there were so many oh, good cool. things that we got into, and I don't right know, we'll, we'll see where we get to, but I know we have a lot yeah. of questions for you to follow up on. But I don't know. All right, yeah, cool. So we're stoked. Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks. And how I'm gonna grab a couple of things, but I can hear you. How, yeah, how for sure. How are things? Yeah, things are going well. You know, we're we're uh, picking up with the podcast. You know, things are things are really kind of getting into a groove again. And so, yeah, you should start to see episodes coming out really, really soon. Um, Swell Spencer, yeah, how's Swell going? Do you want to talk? You want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah, no, it's going good. Um, you know, focusing you see that, Spencer? on what? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> What did you guess? What did I, what did I miss? Josh? Appearance. Oh, Bo, did you did you He's get something? He's not at his desk delivered? right now. <laughs> oh, okay. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah. So how's Swell? Yeah. Yeah, no, Swell is doing well. Oh, you guys. I mean, really the focus is that. <laughs> you guys do your homework. I'll tell you what. <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you. Fantastic. So for the listen for listeners who can't uh, oh can't gosh, see this, so um, yeah, we just delivered. I, I'm not sure if it's your number one favorite um, kind of snack, but uh, this is from uh, the Rose yeah. Establishment, just a little little bit yeah, down the road. And it's a funny story because we know we, we like to surprise our visit our guests. And uh, when I first phoned them, they they wouldn't deliver. No, we don't do Uber, <laughs> Uber Eats. We don't do DoorDash. And no, we haven't got time to deliver. I said, look, you know, let me tell you a story. <laughs> I told them a little bit of story about uh, about so it. Funny. And then this one lady said, oh, do you know what? I like that. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to drop great. it off. And so thanks to her <laughs> and, and the Rose establishment, uh, you got That's awesome. Nice Thank you. Um, and I, and actually, I'm going to kick off with a. I, we ended last podcast with um, a little kind of question uh, around uh, the Oakland move. Do you remember the Oakland move? Yes, with the uh, <laughs> and the sledgehammers yeah, sledge and, and, and all the, that good um, stuff. U-Haul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, we we've heard about oh, another boy. story. All right, just a little one, and I'm hoping no, you don't no, mind. Hey, I'm an open book. <laughs> I mean, we could, you know, we could just tell yeah. embarrassing. No, that would be fun, actually. I, I. I, I I have a, a funny, embarrassing story uh, that I could share, and it's about a tooth. Now, do, do you happen to have any tooth stories that you want to share? <laughs> Anything oh with a tooth gosh. that's come you along guys, recently? It, yeah, share, share yours first, and then I'll one-up you. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, with the whole family with, with my grandparents, it's a long time ago now. Uh, as a child and we were we were eating soup that'd be made by my grandmother um and lo and behold someone bit into a tooth in oh my the gosh. soup <laughs> and, it, and and i guess i missed the first bit where someone had lost some tooth had flown out yep. of their mouth they were trying to pull the tooth out and we didn't know yeah. where it had gone well, like an hour later, we all knew because someone had literally <laughs> nearly swallowed the tooth. So anyway, I need to practice that story awesome. a little bit better next time. But tell us about your story. Oh, geez. Yeah. Where do I start? <laughs> it's uh, so I, I've always had teeth issues <laughs> and I've got like five or six fake teeth from root canals and stuff. I've got a gold tooth right here. Yeah, gold nice. tooth because I was in school at the academy in San Francisco and I couldn't afford the hundred dollar upcharge to get the white tooth. So mm. I'm like, whatever's the cheapest thing, give me, give me gold. Um, okay. So I got in a bike crash years ago, chipped the two, these two front teeth ever since then there's paper, paper thin and they crack all the time. And it's gotten to the point I'm 40, let's say I'll be 43 in two weeks. And over the last year, it's like every other week they chip. It's terrible. So I keep getting it fixed. And the dentist was like, listen, Bo, like I'm going to level with you, man. These are lost teeth. Like nothing you can do to, we can do, we'll fix them. So you just need to get them replaced. You need to get veneers. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm just not going to do it. So I kept putting it off and then it kept chipping. So finally, like two weeks ago, I went in and, and got veneers. And when they do that, <laughs> so they had to replace all these front teeth here. And so they match. And, uh, <laughs> And so they give you these temporaries. Well, two days into the temporaries in my mouth, I bit into a burrito and they broke and fell out. 
And I'm like, oh no. So I run to CVS, get denture, glue, whatever. So the funny story is on Wednesday, I'm at a, a workshop Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday this week. I'm at a workshop at Peterson Partners, the private equity firm. Okay. And you've got one of the partners there. You've got one of the other, a couple other of the associates there and then the client. And during the workshop, one of my teeth came flying out and I, and I caught it and everybody laughed and then I had to stick it back in and it was just, it, it, it fell out again. So I just took it out and spent the rest of the workshop toothless. And it was just so, it was so embarrassing. So embarrassing. <laughs> well, and then we've, and then we've made it worse by you telling yeah, hey. So I think that's a next definitely a next level <laughs> story um we've actually done we, we we're friends aren't we josh with a, a, a veneer kind of tooth artist she does incredible work around nice. the world around nice. teeth but uh yeah they, she's a designer okay, so for teeth and you're a designer how did you for, hear about my product. teeth oh, issues though <laughs> who tipped you off on that one? Oh, it, it was all over no, the internet no, no. Oh, it's like a, a slow-mo <laughs> gif of my tooth flying out <laughs> i uh no, we can't give yeah, no, I, so just to just to you know kind of make it a little bit even too like i actually have a really interesting story with my two front teeth as well yeah um, when i was in when i was in elementary school so we were out playing basketball and you know the ball hits the rim it bounces kind of off in the distance i go and i run for it to go and get the ball <laughs> right behind me is the tetherball pole run straight into the tetherball <laughs> pole i chip both of my two front teeth yeah, you know, so I'm in the I'm in the the principal's office waiting for my parents to come pick me up to take me to the dentist, and my best friend, my best friend comes in, hands like this, and he's got my teeth in his hand. <laughs> With your teeth? Yeah, he's like, I don't know, do you want these now? <laughs> oh no! I was like, I guess so, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> So I, 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 so I empathize funny. with you with the, with the front teeth issue. But so yeah. did you have to get your teeth replaced? Like, what did you do? Because you have great teeth. No, yeah, I appreciate that. No, there you can. So if you get really close, you can actually see they kind of capped them. Um, yeah, I haven't had yeah. any issues with with like any Good. other chips or anything like that. But you can Good. see it, though. Yeah, you get really yeah. close. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, look. Thanks for sharing that, so though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've covered scones and teeth and got nothing yeah, to do with the Yeah, and that's it, right? Like this. <laughs> Isn't well, that why we got together? I know, yeah. I know. So, look, um, we would love to know. I mean, we had a great conversation last time, covered lots of different topics. Um, one thing we ended on was was the great story behind pattern and and the vision for the next kind of i think you even said five ten years mm -hmm. um we'd love to catch up with that like how's it going the ups and the downs of that journey yeah um and then we we we, we wanted to after that maybe dive into um a little bit more deeper into maybe one of your your pro pro projects possibly mr beast i don't know we'll see but um, yeah yeah for sure if you're, if you're open to that but yeah how, how's the journey yeah. going give us a give us a update. yeah so let me catch up to speed so it's been about a year right since we last hung out about and um cool so a lot has happened in the last year uh so i'll give you kind of the the fast track on it so uh august 2020 um, I sold enlisted to pattern, right? Joined pattern. Uh, a few months later, I was named chief design officer of pattern. And, um, and then, you know, CEO, chief design officer of enlisted. So it's kind of this dual role between the two companies. Now enlisted is still functioning as a separate agency, right? As a separate business. And there's about 50 of us I think, in the studio. Um, and 
in the enlisted studio. So I'm still running enlisted, have an amazing team behind me doing that. And now I'm starting to spend more and more time on the pattern side, both on the leadership team, as well as the M&A team. So you probably saw on the news um, last September, we announced uh, our fundraise. We raised 225 million at a $2 billion valuation. Now to give a little perspective, just a year prior, we had raised that uh, pattern had raised uh, 52 million at a 450 or 475 million dollar valuation. So within one year time, which was actually more like six months time, they raised it at two billion. So you know, hyper hyper growth phase over at at pattern. So then um, I was asked to be on the M and A team and uh, and begin to look at other businesses. So together, pattern enlisted created a new company that is also a separate company called Village. So villagebrands.com is the website that, that we just, uh, that just launched. So Village is a, is a separate team outside of Pattern, outside of Enlisted, that works kind of as a sinew between the two companies. And there's 18 full-time employees at Village now. And there's an M&A team at Village. There's a um, brand team, a marketing team, and a sales team, and a product development team at Village. So what Village does is it goes out and hunts down companies that would be a good fit for the pattern portfolio. And what we're looking for, and there's five of us on this, this team that kind of does the due diligence and we give the thumbs up or thumbs down on the acquisition. What we're looking for are companies that are, um, that are creating consumer products, consumer experiences that um, need help in either their e-commerce, Amazon or Shopify, their international presence, their design and branding, um, or their uh, retail strategy. So if they're missing one of those elements or they're just not thriving in one of those elements, we can really come in and, and surround them with the village to be able to plug enlisted in, to be able to plug sales in, to be able to plug pattern e-commerce in, to be able to plug the international team in. And that's why we called it village because like, mm-hmm. you know, literally takes a village. And, and you guys know this, from your own entrepreneurial endeavors that that entrepreneurs, um, they get to a certain place in their company or within their company's growth where it kind of outgrows them a bit. And honest, confident entrepreneurs know when they've gotten to that place. And that could be a $5 million company. It could be a $500 million company. They know when they're ready to have somebody else come in and really help them. And so we're looking for entrepreneurs who want to join the village. We buy the company outright. Okay, with both cash and pattern stock. And then they join the village as the entrepreneur, founder, most likely still CEO of their company. Um, and we begin to bolt on all of these different, uh, you know, expertise that we have between Enlisted and Pattern and the core village team. So, you know, here we are a year later, we've got a couple hundred million dollars in the bank. We're making investments. We are super busy um, with, uh, you know, with, with deal flow, right? Just like a private equity firm or a VC firm would, would have. And so we're looking at the deals, looking at the businesses. I come in as the brand and product voice. So I look at the business, I look at the product line, I look at the, the um, market potential and I say, okay, here's what we could do to grow this brand, or here's what we could do to create a cohesive visual design language across their product line, which would then grow the company and grow the brand and better position us in the marketplace. And so then we buy these companies, we wash them through Enlisted, 
and we reposition, rebrand, uh, redesign, and relaunch onto the pattern platform. And so far, we have one acquisition. We also have one incubation that we looked at the data, patterns data, and said, hey, there's a few different companies playing in this category. Um, we think that it'd be really interesting to do something different and uniquely positioned for this consumer over here that nobody's positioned for. And, uh, and so we're incubating and launching our own brand, which launch, launches in June. That's incredible. So that, that's, that's what we're up to. There's a lot more going on, but that's kind of my piece of the, the pattern enlisted village. Does, uh, what's the, uh, so the, um, you know, what kind of is the discovery process like as you're looking for, as you're looking for those potential acquisitions and, and is it, is it, is it category focused? Like, are you looking specifically at a category first and then looking for acquisitions that fit a category? No, we're not. So because patterns a, a, a data company, really, like if you strip everything back, they're a data company. Yeah. And being the, I think the, the third largest seller on Amazon worldwide. So they, they can mine more data than just about anybody else. So we use that data and we've created a proprietary tool that can look through virtually every category, understand who's playing in that category, who's scaling, what SKUs are scaling, and to what velocity they are. And then we, we have a tool that we call um, the where to play tool. And it essentially gives us a, a, a matrix with you know, millions of data points to show here are the categories that we could play in. And within those categories, here are, so then you like double click on that and it opens up to like 500 more dots. And here are the companies within those subcategories. And here's the top five mm-hmm. and what they're doing to ramp or to come back down. And we're looking for ramping up companies, not distressed companies. Yeah. So then we can go out and proactively approach them. No, that's awesome. And um, regarding, so when is the, when is your first, when is the first launch? So the first launch already happened as a company called Trophy Skin that we acquired um, and rebranded, relaunched. Uh, the website's new, but all of the products are still the old products. They're just OEM off the shelf China products, which are fine, right? But it's just, there's no cohesion across the line. Um, and so the first product uh, launches most likely in July. Okay. And uh, we already have a major retail partner who's already signed up for launch. So pretty, pretty exciting. And then we'll trickle the other four products that have been redesigned out over the next you know, year or so. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. I, I mean, I would love to dive into more of like, even just the journey of going through it with, you know, all the way up until this launch. I think that that'd be pretty interesting. Yeah. You said it was, what was yeah. the, what was the company? Trophy what? Yeah. Trophy skin. Trophy so skin. trophyskin.com. You can see the, it's a, um, it's like microdermabrasion. It's red light therapy. It's, it's essentially facial um, therapy tools. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they're devices, they're beauty devices. Yeah. And then we're also launching, it hasn't launched quite yet, but we're launching into serums as well, because most of the devices are a way to make the serums that you use more effective. And so we're launching a serums line so that we can capitalize on the, the real market there. Yeah. Yeah. Or the larger market. So one thing to understand though, as you, as you process this um, village uh, venture is that there's this world of incubators or sorry, there's this world of aggregators. And, um, so there's aggregators and accelerators. Okay. And the aggregators are companies like Thrasio 
or Perch or Heyday. Thrasios has uh, fundraised a lot over the last year and a half. They've raised $1.3 billion in VC mm. fundraising over the last year and a half. Okay. 1.3 billion. They, they weren't a company four years ago. <laughs> it gets crazy. So they've acquired over 200 companies now. And they've got a team of about 75 M&A people um, that are just hunting brands. And so what they're doing is they're aggregating these brands where they're buying them. Their model is that the, C, the founders don't stay with the company. Okay. So the founders get a check. They often, they go buy a boat or start their next thing or whatever. Okay. Then the company is folded into Thrasio and they're e-commerce experts. And so the idea is cool. We'll just squeeze all of these companies. We'll aggregate them into like this one vertical mm -hmm. system that we have, and it'll be so efficient that they'll grow. And then, you know, we'll sell them off or, or whatever. Well, the latest news, so the CEO was let go a few months ago. Um, the investors are starting to actually withdraw their money. So yeah. actually taking money back out. And the latest word is that 87% of the companies that Thrasio has acquired have gone down in revenue post-acquisition. What? Mind-blowing. Okay. Now, that, that is hearsay. That is, that is just through my network you know, what somebody very, very informed inside. Um, and so just un understand that. Um, but what's important is that this aggregator model that has fundraised so much money mm -hmm. is actually going to falter soon. So a good friend of mine, um, she runs the venture side of Blackstone. So she has a $3 billion fund that she, she deploys in startups. She's the one who bought Oatly. She's the one who bought Spain all these, you know, high profile um, acquisitions for Blackstone. And so I asked her, you know, how did you invest in, in the aggregator uh, model? And she's like, no, I'm not going to invest in that. It's a broken model. It doesn't work. I'm like, why doesn't it work? And then she described to me organically described to me the accelerator model, which is what village is. Mm. What works is you buy the company, you retain the talent, and then you plug in what that company couldn't do already. So e-commerce, retail, design, whatever it is, and you accelerate that business rather than aggregate and squeeze the business. Yeah, it's very interesting. Like, <clears throat> I would love to know more about like the actual incubation process. Like I think you know, to, to keep the people involved who've built it, you know, there's a level of passion that maintains as, as you know, because I'm sure that they want to see this thing continue to grow as well, right? So, For but sure. um, I don't know, it's, it's, I think it's very interesting to see, you know, is, yeah, I, I don't know, I was going to ask if there were any, like, um, is there a story that you can share about, about this most recent company about you coming in and the incubation and which part of um, Trophy Skin that you actually kind of fit into and, and, and how you kind of help that company? like incubated with that company. Yeah. So with the, um, with trophy skin itself, we didn't incubate that. So the difference between acquisition and incubation, right. Is that like we acquired trophy skin right, okay. and then we, and then we went and did a, a, a significant consumer insights exercise where we really understood the consumer and what her needs were. And then we're able to reposition the company, the brand and the product line and incubation is looking at the data, looking at, 
at an opportunity in the market and saying, okay, if we were to go into that market, here's how we would do it and right. create a, you know, a go-to-market strategy, a positioning strategy and a product strategy. And then once that strategy is blessed with the funding to make it happen, then we go in and we create that brand and deploy it. Mm, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Got it. Yeah. And we've got, you know, it'll be a multi-pronged approach. We'll be, you know, Shopify, DTC, we're going to be Amazon, we're going to be uh, big box retail. We have one retailer in particular who has already told us, the buyers have already told us that um, they want to be our incubation partner. So whatever it is that we're launching, they want, and they want us to test it in, in that retailer. Yeah. So pretty exciting. Yeah. Well, and, the, and those yeah. num those numbers are so massive too. Like the invest, I mean, just anything in yeah. e-commerce, I under like I imagine it's just booming. And that's kind of something that we talked about the last time is just the massive growth that the e-commerce industry is kind of seeing. Um, yeah. But we actually just had a conversation with um, Mackenzie. Who was it? Uh, Mackenzie. Yeah, Mackenzie Bauer. from Thread Wall. It's Mackenzie yeah. Bauer. Oh yeah. And yeah, she's uh, great. You know, she, she was talking about supply chain issues, and you know, of course, e-commerce is growing massively. But I'm wondering you know, as you guys are kind of thinking about what, what, especially pattern and, uh, how, how is the, how is the supply chain, you know, potentially affecting you guys? Are you guys feeling that hit? Uh, like, I don't know. I'm interested yeah. in that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, everybody's e-commerce has had a, a few different hits over the last year, right? You have the iOS update, right. you have the skyrocketing prices of Facebook ads, mm -hmm. right. In some cases of 10 X in the last year. Um, and then all the issues that, that come with, with Meta and Facebook, um, you've got supply chain issues, you've got the ports that are backed up, you've got, you know, still struggling to get people back to work. I mean, there's so many uh, cards stacked against physical product, mm -hmm. um, even down to the, the raw materials um, that, yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of ingenuity and a lot of um, kind of that entrepreneurial spirit to figure things out to be able to ship your product. Yeah. And, and get it here and land it. Yeah. I, Josh, before you just dive into either no, you know, yeah. dive into that a little bit more or, or maybe one of the projects like Mr. Beast, which I know my son wants to learn more about. <laughs> He's a big fan. Um, Good. I mean, it sounds like world domination. You guys have really hit a sweet spot with, with, with what you've been, you know, this journey you've been on for the last 18 months. Yeah. Um, what I'm, I'm kind of interested in, uh, yeah, who's missing from the village? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, what, what, what type of challenges are you facing in the village? Um, let's start yeah. with those. Yeah, so I, we're, we're building, we're actively building the village team. So MNA uh, people, we have three data scientists on the team, so we're pretty, we're pretty stacked there. But we're definitely hiring in MNA um, for acquisition, and then we're also hiring in marketing. So we have uh, incredible sales, like CPG sales team um, that have come over from, you know, the PNGs of the world, like big, you yeah. know, bigger, bigger CPG companies. Uh, but what we're looking for is a um, is a brand marketer and a growth marketer to come in and be able to take the take receipt of the brands that we create at Enlisted or recreate at Enlisted, and then be able to take that and build the brand. Right. Because like mm -hmm. you guys know this, but just because enlisted creates a, you know, a brand, a visual identity, a product design, a packaging design, a go to market, like just because we create all of those assets, we can launch the best brand in the world. Okay. But we can't grow that brand. 
because that's what marketing and sales and ops and all the rest of the team has to do to be, to take that brand that we've created and then build it and grow it. And mm-hmm. so that's what we're looking for on the village side are brand marketers and growth marketers, which are two very different roles. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And just some more kind of just questions that came to my mind as you were talking about that, this journey. Um, first of all, going back to what you talked about, one of the biggest things was about balance. I bet this 18 months mm-hmm. wasn't any good for balance, right? Uh, how's that going? And then I'm also interested in like what what you've loved about this particular journey, what you want to, what you love, what you want to do more of. But then the flip side, what do you, what do you, what are you wishing you could do a little bit less of? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the journey is still very much a journey, right? So we haven't figured this out. Uh, we're literally writing the book because this accelerator model you have to have product development, brand development, brand creation, design, e-commerce. Like you have to have that whole network of people and nobody's ever put that together before, Mm. right? You've got design agencies like Jen Lane in New York who, you know, raised $50 million, shut their doors and turned into pattern brands. Okay. And that's great. They took on money and they've been launching brands. But like I said before, I could launch the best brand in the world but I can't build it. Mm. I can't go out and actually build that company and brand. That's not my magic. And so then on the other side, you've got the Frazios of the world that are operators, right? Or M&A folks that think that all you have to do is just buy them and that it'll just run itself. And they're not creating, you know, they're not extending the brands. They're not growing the product lines. They're just squeezing them. And so those are kind of the two different models. Nobody's done what we're doing. And so it's, it's some days it's really exciting. Some days it's really frustrating um, to, to create the entire ecosystem and have it function um, smoothly. Mm. <laughs> I think my biggest frustration with it all is um, that I just don't have the time that I want to spend on it. Mm. So in December of last year uh, at our enlisted all hands on deck, um, kind of year in review meeting where we spend a couple hours just celebrating all of the work that we shipped um, in, in that year. Mm. Uh, and then, and then I lay out the vision for the next year and I stood in front of my whole team and I asked them, I said, you know, you watch me every day, day in, day out, do what I do, what I need from you and each of your OKRs, your objectives and key results for the year. I need you to replace me. That's it. Mm-hmm. I need you to replace me. And it's not because I'm out. Like enlisted is my baby. I love enlisted. I'll always be here, right? It's not that I'm out. It's not that I am bored or distracted. It's that I have this village and pattern um, venture that needs my attention to be able to successfully do what we're going to do and, and what, what we're doing. And so by the end of the year, the goal is for me to have a 50-50 balance between enlisted and village, whereas right now I have about a 90-10 balance. Well, it sounds like that, I mean, that's one of the biggest learnings you've had then, right? To get to the point of you saying that. Was it was it challenging to say it? I mean, did, did you kind of- Yeah, for sure. Because it's your baby? I mean- how- For sure. Yeah, for sure. And the only way that I've, I, I've been able to say that and mean it right? It's not a, it's not a, a, a bait and switch 
it's it's real. And the reason that I can say that now is because I've been super fortunate over the last year, two years really, to hire people who are just incredible at what they do. I've got a managing director who this year will become CEO of Enlisted as I step sideways into the chief chief design op, uh, chief design officer role. He's ran four out of the five top design agencies in San Francisco. We were the fifth one. We were the last ones. And, you know, he's running the business of Enlisted. I've got a CFO who has come in and she's an amazing, you know, she's got her MBA. She is an accountant, like she's a strategist to come in and really help like refine the business of Enlisted. And so over the last year and a half, two years, I've been able to focus my time less on the uh, you know, accounts and running the business and more on the creative and, and the people. And really that's where I want to be spending my time. And so it's been, uh, uh, you know, a journey to get to this place and December felt like the right time. You know, I don't, I don't think that anybody was like shocked, right? Like no mouths hit the floor because this is something that we've been talking about being stewards over your portion of enlisted and everybody you know, bringing that enlisted entrepreneurial mentality to each project and doing it in a way that is reminiscent of me, but their own flavor of it. And so I think we've, we've gotten there and the team's ready for this. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a massive challenge. You, you, like you said, you're creating something that has never existed before. It's a big vision. Um, yeah. You're learning some big lessons. I mean, yeah. are there other... Th- what else have you learned? You know, how are you? I mean, you're testing and learning. You're making it up as you go along. What else is significantly have been significantly important to you? Is there a person, a mentor? Is there? You know, you can't go and read the manual, right? Um, but yeah, what, what, what has helped? What are some of the significant things that have stuck out to you that have helped you yeah. rise to the challenge? Which yeah, you know, yeah. So a couple of things, surrounding myself with people who are as hungry as I am, um, communication, just constantly picking up the phone and just connecting, connecting and connecting. I find that when I go a week or two without talking with the village team or without talking to certain people on my team, you know, things start to percolate, things start to like in a negative way, right? And so it's like, just pick up the phone. Let's just chat. Let's, let's just talk this through. Let's talk this through. And I think over the last year, especially the last six months, I've been doing a lot more of that. Just pick up the phone. Let's talk it through. Let's let's keep charging forward because the direction that we're headed is for sure the right direction. How we're getting there is TBD, right? And, and that's where we're, we're learning, we're prototyping, we're breaking, we're learning, and we're building. Um, and so I'd say the people that surround me, the communication, and just the constant drive, the always on. Now I know that doesn't speak well to like work-life balance and whatever, you know, that Gen Z thing is, it, you know, it, it, there's, there's, you know, just like any business that you start, it's like head down, here's, here's the thesis, here's the vision. Now let's go execute on that. Hmm. Yeah, that's, it's huge. Josh, I, I, where do you want to go next? <laughs> I, I, Hold I, on, before we go there, yeah, one thing I want yeah. to say, I want to correct. So I read all these articles on LinkedIn or whatever, Fastco, whatever, that's like, you know, millennials don't know how to work. Gen Zs don't know. How to... BS, BS. I said that because work-life balance is more important to Gen Z and young millennials than any other mm-hmm. you know, demographic, any other group. I didn't say that because they're not hard workers. 
I am, you know, the vast majority of enlisted is Gen Z or young millennial and they work their asses off. They're hard workers. They're smart workers, mm -hmm. super passionate. So I, uh, you'll see me trolling on LinkedIn every once in a while when these articles come out about how the younger generation doesn't know how to work. And I'm just like, Nope. <laughs> Different is not wrong. <laughs> I, I love, yeah. I love that. I think that that's probably the most, I mean, especially after COVID, right? Like everybody's yeah. working differently right now. And I think that yes. we're all kind of challenging what that means. And, and, and so, yeah, mm -hmm. no, I think, I think that's a good clarification. 100%. Can I ask a question then? I guess what I'm interested, like, there's so many interesting things that I want to talk to you about, like, just based off of kind of what you've said, like, I'm interested in this idea of you know, what I looked like, if I go and look at Enlisted's website, right? Like I could, I could just stare at what you guys have done at, like, I, I could, I could just look at it for hours and just get lost cool. in it. Thanks. Yeah. It's beautiful stuff. And, you know, so I'm interested, we don't have to go into this right now, but I am interested in like the idea of, you know, the, the creation of something like, you know, that all birds in that, in that kind of like pivotal moment where something might be launching, whereas there is more mm -hmm. of a growth like, as you mentioned, like more of a growth kind of orientation towards what you're trying to do. You're trying to stick with these brands for a much longer period of time. And I'm, you know, I would be interested yeah. in, in just kind of understanding, you know, how that might be different or challenging for you, you know, understanding that you'd have like these big, massive moments where like with Allbirds or with Arlo or whatever, you're launching this really beautiful mm -hmm. thing, you know, but now, I'll, mm -hmm. now kind of what it sounds like is there's also this element of, well, we also have to work really hard to also grow this thing, which is going to take a lot of sweat you know, we're gonna have to really kind of shepherd this thing. Um, so I guess that's one question. I'll just stop there. Like, I'm interested in kind of your perspective on the, the that kind of pivotal launch moment versus the growth the, and, and the energy that has to go into that, I guess, with, with the companies that you're working yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So such a good, um, such a good point that you're making. So when you think about designers, there's kind of two, two different types of designers. And, and by this, I mean, these are separate from artists, right? Artists are a, a creative expression, okay? Um, designers kind of fall into two categories. One is like a designer for designer's sake. Right. Like they're going to create the most beautiful thing you've ever seen and will likely also sell well because it's been designed well. Um, and they're just, oh, they're just, you know, they're here to design for design's sake. And that's their mission. Love those designers. We've got a number of them on, on the team. Then there's the entrepreneurial designers. And those are the ones who are looking through the business lens of how do I grow this brand through my design work? And the vast majority of the enlisted designers are fall into the entrepreneurial designer um, kind of category, all right? Because I look for those. Mm -hmm. And certainly that's part of my DNA because I always want our design, sure, like, like you said, like you go on, it's beautiful. We love working with the Allbirds and the Stances and the Arlos right. and whoever else of the world. Like, oh my gosh, we just did this. We just finished up this project for the largest. Um, I don't know if I can say it. it, it they're the largest uh, home appliance company in the world. Okay. They're based out of China. And uh, we just designed this whole like modular refrigeration, kitchen refrigeration uh, uh, concept. And it, I mean, I would love to have this in my kitchen, right? It's gorgeous. Um, but really the reason that that's going to grow their business is because we're solving issues. We are appealing to the aesthetic of a household, of a consumer, of a person. And so we're blending the two together between the aesthetic and the business, right? And that's where you find the right balance. And so what's different about this is that 
we come in and we partner, you know, like all birds, we partner for a period of months where we develop something that is going to help them grow or launch um, a certain product. And then we deliver it and they go get it made and they ship it, they launch it. And then all of a sudden we see, you know, Carrie Washington on, on Instagram showing the Allbirds packaging. Right. And we're like, oh, cool. That's exciting. Right. Um, or like, especially the Allbirds, we won first place on the die line awards. We won best of the best and red dot, like it, it's done its round, um, it, which is really fun, but we hand it off mm. and it's theirs. That's the agency model. The venture model, or certainly the, the village model, is that these are now our brands and our companies. And so I remind the design team as they're approaching the projects, hey, remember that ultimately we're going to make the design decisions here, not the client, because we're the client. Remember that these shares that we have in pattern stock are going to be affected by the success of these brands that we launch. Remember that we are stewarding this brand and the growth of this brand, and we'll do so over the next years rather than deliver and, and hope that they do well with it. And so it's a different mentality. It really is. You make different decisions uh, in the design process because you truly have skin in the game. Yeah. No, no, and and no, also that's no a whole pressure. other depth of love for it. Yeah. No pressure. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, how often do you remind the team about that? Yeah. <laughs> Every um, meeting. Yeah. But, but no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. How, how has it changed the, um, Josh, I'm wondering, you know, the methodologies that you're using. So based on what you just said, what mm -hmm. is changing about how you approach design? Is it, is it additional check points? Is, mm -hmm. You know, and I'd like to learn a little bit more about what your preferred design methodology is. Um, yeah. I'm sure you use design sprints and design thinking all the time, but like, is there a, do you use a kind of an enlisted version of that uh, or now a pattern yeah. village one? Yeah, we do. So, it, you know, if we circle back to 10 minutes ago, when I talked about like the top five agencies, mm -hmm. if you wrote down, like, let's say that you hired each of us separately and you went through a design process together. Um, in all honesty and humility, the process is the same, okay? The steps are the same, you know, unless you go hire IDEO and they've got their 50 baked steps that you have to take and all that kind of stuff. The process is the same. And so, and also if you take the top five studios, the products at the end of the day are all gonna be gorgeous. Consumers are gonna want these products. So then what makes any of us different at all? And the answer, I can't speak for the rest of the, the group, but the answer for enlisted is, is twofold. And the reason that we were so, um, like Pattern didn't buy enlisted because we were a top agency. Pattern bought enlisted because we're a design entrepreneurial agency. So we already had like 10 ventures under our belt where we traded, we discounted our rates and traded for equity in the companies. We already had skin in the games and game in almost a dozen different companies. And so the mentality had already shifted. So, you know, I gave that example of like the agency consulting versus these are our own brands. We've already been working as if these were our own brands for a while with that, that, uh, filter of the reason I'm making these design decisions is because people are going to love this and thus grow the brand. 
you know, grow sales, grow advocacy for that, that brand. So I wouldn't say that it was a massive switch for us because we're already there. And when you look at the different, the differences between enlisted and other agencies, even though the process is the same, what's different is two things. The degree of, of intense collaboration that we, uh, we foster in the studio of really bringing our partners in, really bringing them into the design team and learning from them and, uh, and, and not just treating them like, but them actually being part of our team um, is super valuable to the process and very unique, very unique in the industry. Um, and, this, and, and what that nets at the end is a design process that you've enjoyed. So instead of going to a top agency and being like, oh, yeah, the work is beautiful. They were a pain in the ass to work with, but I guess it was worth it. What we can promise is, we're, yes, you're going to have a beautiful product or beautiful brand that's going to go out into the market and crush it. But just as important, you're going to love the process of getting there. Mm. That these, you know, our weekly cadence that we meet with you, that hour that we spend together, I promise you is going to be the best hour of your week. Mm. And that's, that's how each of our teams, whether I'm on the call or not, that's how they approach it. They want to make sure that this is the best hour, the most exciting hour of their week, even when things get difficult and we're in the trenches with the client. Yeah, you make me want to, to come along to that best hour <laughs> that you've got. Yeah. I'd like to, I like one of those hours. Just tell me though, why does that stand out? So what do you do that's uniquely different or just that makes it, as good as it as it is as an experience. Yeah, so the personality of the people, right? We handcraft our, we curate our teams to make sure the right people are matched with the right clients and the right, uh, you know, industry. And then, um, and so then those designers or those account managers or strategists or branders are, um, are experts in that category, right? So we bring expertise to the category when we take on a project, if we've worked in that category before. And also, um, I think the biggest reason I'll illustrate with a, with a real example. So um, one of the top, top agencies in San Francisco that most of us came from to some degree, um, I hired uh, one of their, um, their marketers. She was my first and really only marketer for a while uh, at Enlisted. And she was on the team for about two weeks and she came to me and, and she said, um, She's like, okay, so I know you told me this in the interview, but I'm still confused. Like, I've, I feel like I've worked with everybody in the studio now and not one of them is a dick. Like that's, <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> and I said, I said, well, Nikki, I told you, I don't hire dicks. I hire the people who are so talented and want to collaborate, want to work together, want to you know, challenge each other and lift each other. And like I said, in the last podcast, you know, it, it's not uncommon. I've seen it just in the last couple of weeks where we get to the end of a day and everybody's tired because they've been cranking, you know, on, on projects, but they're done with something and they turn to the person next to them and they say, Hey, I'm done. How can I help you? Instead of, you know, leaving at five 30 and that feeling of togetherness is carried through to our clients as well. 
And that's what mm-hmm. that magic is, right? Where if you contrast that to other studios, the traditional model is you go hire the best agency. They're going to come in with all of their ego, with all of their, oh, well, we're the ones behind all birds and we're the ones behind blah, blah, blah. And so we're going to tell you what you need to do. And if you don't take it, you're stupid. Like you're ignorant. You don't know what you're talking about. That's why you hired us. So I saw that happen time and time and time and time again. And I just thought there's gotta be a better way. Like what if we enlisted our clients into our team and mm-hmm. likewise they enlist us into their team. That's why we're enlisted. And it's just a big difference, Spencer. Like if you, yeah. you know, clients who've worked with other agencies and then they work with us, like they don't go anywhere else. They don't go to another agency mm-hmm. and they'll say like, Hey, we loved working or we loved the product that we got or the brand that we got from this other agency, but it wasn't worth the pain of the egos in the room. Mm. Yeah, I, I thought you were just going to say you send, you know, scones to, <laughs> to, the, to the meeting every time and like, their but it's more than that, That's right? So um, it's way more than that. We do though, like we, we do notice what our clients like and we make sure that we stock those things when they come in. <laughs> great, yeah, great stuff. Um, I, I, Josh, where do we want to go? Because I, I definitely want to touch on maybe Mr. Beast, but maybe that's the wrong thing yeah. to go, go into. I don't know now. Oh, dude, the Mr. Beast thing's exciting. I'm happy to share. I would love to go into that. Can I just ask one last question, though, just about, yeah. um, you know, the, the acquisitions? And I'm just wondering, um, you know, like, I, this, the stake in the game, you know, that we all have, that you have stock in, in now pattern and, and, and the decisions have just a different weight to them, you know, but I'm wondering, like, you know, I know it's maybe, maybe early days for this, but I'm interested in, in the acquisition and the blending of, you know, so like, I mean, obviously you, you're all very talented and, and I'm just wondering, like, it's kind of a question of what's off the table for what can be changed within the company. And, and especially mm-hmm. like this idea that, you know, well, if you if you acquire my company, I'm also going to be involved with that. And I'm wondering culturally, you know, and just in the, maybe maybe like I said, maybe it's too early days to know this, but I'm interested in how, like, how difficult is that when once you get through that acquisition and you know and 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 the the adoption or immersion of multiple cultures into the same thing as mm-hmm. it relates to while we're also kind of rebranding, redesigning, and and you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it seems like an interesting little conflict that might that might kind of happen in in that moment. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm yeah. interested in your thoughts on that. It's very insightful, Josh. And, and that is uh, an element of what's happening here. Because when you start to meld so many different companies, you need to have you know, your core ethos, your core mission, vision, values, which Pattern does have. Um, and we need to make sure that the types of companies, the types of entrepreneurs, CEOs that we bring into Village are that type of person. You know, it's not just that they've run a good business, but they're that type of person who have similar, um, you know, values mm. uh, that pattern does or that we do. And so, so far we haven't had too many issues. Um, you know, some for sure. Uh, I think we've skirted some issues. I know there was one company that we were looking at that would have been really, really fun to be able to go in and, and design in that space. It's a category that I've never designed in and I've wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I, I, hung out with the owner and we talked design and we talked, you know, manufacturing and we did, and he, what I took away, super nice guy. And he's built a successful business, but he thinks in his mind that like everything that they've done, it, it's the pinnacle of design. Like it couldn't get better. It, you don't need to invest any more into it than what they've already done. 
And so even when I was point blank, I'm like, yeah, but we can bring enlisted in to do this. And he's just like, we don't need that. Mm. We've already, we already have that. And it's like, Ooh, no, you don't, <laughs> you know? And so, and so we, we, that and other things too, we've been able to fish some of those, those people out and, and, you know, for me, give the thumbs down because I know that they're not going to be the kind of person who's going to be able to come in and appreciate what we do. Right. And value what we do. I know, you know, trophy skin, I was on one of the first calls with that founder and he's just like, you know, there was, especially at the beginning, a bit of like, why are you calling my baby ugly? Mm. <laughs> and, and I'm like, well, I'm not calling your baby ugly. What I'm saying is you have a consumer that you're speaking to, but that consumer set can be much broader. And if we create a, a better design, then it's going to solve the needs of a broader consumer set, thus being able to grow the business. And here's how we do that. And once I showed him the work, he's just like, man, I could have never afforded or never got the attention of an enlisted before this. And so he appreciated what we were bringing to the table and enabled us to do our best work. Yeah. You know, so those are some of the traits that we're looking for and looking to avoid. Yeah. That's really interesting. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I can imagine, you know, especially for, for entrepreneurs, there's a whole variety and a whole spectrum of entrepreneurs out there, but for somebody who puts their passion and energy and life into, into something, I can imagine there's just a group of them that would be very, you know, that would, that would it would be very difficult to, to let go of some yeah. of those things. So I think that's really interesting, totally. but um, totally. so yeah. Let's... Well, that's why they have to want to be part of it, yeah. right? That's why they need to, like, we're not looking for people who are ready to check out. We're mm. looking for people who are ready to double down and who see, you know, oh my gosh, I could be on Patterns platform or, right. oh, I could go international or wait, I can work with Enlisted at cost. Like, <laughs> what? Okay, great. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, I, I, I imagine it's a hard thing to say no to. Like, it just sound, it does sound amazing, especially when you see, like, I don't know, just knowing how much the industry has grown, especially with just the, the, this idea of a USP of village, like it takes a village, like that alone, like, yeah. I mean, how lonely it is to be an entrepreneur, you know, I can imagine, like, and how many unanswered questions there are, like it takes a village. Yes. Okay, I, that resonates with me. I'm in with that alone, you know, like yes. help me figure some yes, of this stuff exactly. out. Um, exactly. But yeah, so you know, it is very lonely yeah. to be an entrepreneur and to be a CEO. Um, it's very lonely because at the end of the day, you're responsible for everything. Yeah. It all comes down to you. And oftentimes we don't have people next to us that we can, you know, truly partner with. And that's been one of the fortunate things about having some of the newer hires that I have is that they're partners. Mm. And I'm able to, you know, we're able to have those types of discussions and not be so lonely. Yeah. For many years, I've been very lonely <laughs> in that sense. Yeah, I would. Yeah, so let's let's dive into Mr. Beast if that's okay, because I know it's cool. it's an interesting topic right now. You know, he was just on JRE, right? Like. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so the world knows about what he's doing. Yeah, he threw down for like three hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, Dude's got so much energy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but Feastables and 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 the you know Beast Burger and a lot of the stuff that mm -hmm. we, that you guys have done, I would just love for you guys to lay it down, you know, and and kind of yeah. say how were you involved and kind of talk about the process, talk about what you guys created, and because it's really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Josh, yeah. is is this is this the point where you've delivered? 
some of the feast mr beast burgers <laughs> to my house right is it yeah, is yeah is that, that's it right now? oh shoot i should have done that what was i thinking man where's the touch you know what though i'll go grab some of the chocolate bars i gotta find you yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know if you know this spencer so i actually so i listened to that episode and the whole time i yeah. was thinking about i was thinking about Bo and i was thinking about enlisted but um it's interesting because from what i understand like they actually give restaurants the recipes, all the packaging, all that stuff. And like, yeah. you can go and order those things from uh, the restaurant and they'll, they'll make it to the Mr. Beast specifications. Like it's really interesting. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So what you're describing, Josh, is called a ghost chick, a ghost kitchen. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So it's a, it's a pretty new model um, really that cropped up uh, during the pandemic. So, okay. So here's how this went down. Uh, so stance socks and apparel is one of our clients and one of the product developers from stance broke off and left stance and joined a group called night. Okay. Night media. I think it's just night.com now. And that's like this guy named Reed, who was the manager of dude. Perfect. So he grew dude. Perfect. Mm. Then he and dude separated and he picked up this kid named Jimmy and so he and Jimmy started working together and he was representing him. And all of a sudden Jimmy starts getting like crazy traction. Okay. And Jimmy Donaldson is Mr. Beast. Mm. So now the kid's got, he's like 23 years old. He's got, I think as of today, he's like 87 million subscribers. His goal is to hit hundred by the end of the year. He'll easily hit hundred million by the end of the year. So he's top five YouTubers in the world. Um, and he's just got a cool energy about him. Okay. His whole thing is that he, uh, has, you know, earned this money from YouTube and other, other things and other, uh, groups that donate or, you know, to his charities. And then he just does really cool giveaways and it's honest, like they're real giveaways to real people with his real money, or he'll fundraise with others, you know, with Elon Musk or Bezos or whoever to like, go and, you know, buy this forest so that nobody can deforest it or whatever his thing is. It's, it's really cool. And so he, so Jimmy was, uh, Mr. Beast was just thinking through kind of like his lifestyle, you know, the types of foods and snacks and what he wants. And then all of a sudden the world shut down. And he's like, shoot, there's like all these local restaurants that are just empty now. Like nobody can go to them. And not all that many people like really know how to do food delivery. And even if you do order Uber Eats, like which restaurants take it, which ones don't. And then could you even get it delivered to your school? Like, how does that work? So what he did is he um, leaned into this ghost kitchen model where, like you said, he created a, a proprietary recipe for each of his burgers. And then each one is named after one of his buddies on the show. And, um, and so then they would pre-qualify a restaurant to be able to make the burgers, the menu items up to, you know, their standards. And then they would be contracted as a ghost kitchen for Mr. Beast Burger. So he launched with 300 locations day one. And then within the first year, he's up to 1200 locations. So it's a pretty big effort. And all you have to do is download the Mr. Beast Burger app and you can order there and then have it delivered to your school, to your college, to your dorm, to wherever you are, you can have it delivered to. And, um, and so what that did for the local you know, micro economies is that it, it started um, giving these restaurants opportunity to make food and deliver it to people who you know, were sheltered in place. 
And it's only grown since that's been lifted because now people, you know, enjoy and want this model. So that's Mr. Beast Burger. And our participation with that was um, the brand, the brand identity, visual identity, iconography, illustration, packaging design, the website design, um, the collateral, the the launch material, like basically anything visual that you see with Mr. Beast Burger, that, that's what we created. And what was cool about that is that it was, um, it was our first, it was his first brand to launch under the Mr. Beast Burger brand, or sorry, under the Mr. Beast brand. But we didn't want it to be just a, just a straight translation of Mr. Beast, because like, how do you take a bunch of swag and like make a burger joint out of it? <laughs> it doesn't really work. And so we wanted Mr. Beast Burger to have its own identity that was tied to um, Mr. Beast himself and the, the brand that he's built. So it felt like they belonged, but it wasn't just an exact translation. So then as that's launching, that's exciting. And, you know, there's these conversations behind the scenes of, hey, you know, Jim, you're so hot right now. That's awesome. Are you always going to be that way? And everybody knows that content creators go up and then they go down, right? And they're super popular. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, remember when you used to always watch those videos? Yeah. And so the question becomes, all right, you know, Jimmy or fill in the blank content creator, you have the world's attention right now. What are you going to do with it? And what are you going to create around your ecosystem, your brand that can have greater longevity than you? And that's why we created the Feastables brand. So the Feastables brand is now the parent brand that anything that Mr. Beast puts out, anything that Ghost or Zach or any of the content creators within Night Media will all be under this new CPG, Consumer Packaged Goods, uh, brand Feastables. And then they went and hired Jim Murray, who was, uh, I think he was the COO of RX Bar. So the dude knows, like he, he was the one behind all the operations of growing RX to the mm. acquisition. And so now he's the president of Feastables and, you know, total industry veteran to now start launching um, brands or sub-brands or products under Feastables, right? So everything you see now is going to be like Feastables and then Mr. Beast Bar. Feastables, and then whatever the next thing is. And, and even within uh, collaborations as well. And so we launched the Mr. Beast Bar. This is the Quinoa Crunch. Um, it is uh, Peruvian chocolate, working with a chocolatier in Peru. In, in Peru. And it's, um, you know, it's uh, organic ingredients. It's super high quality, like it's good chocolate. And, uh, and it's fun because classic Mr. Beast, you've got a QR code on the back and then a tear off back here for like to win a prize, you know, because everything that he does, you got to give. Mm -hmm. And then during the design process, we thought, okay, cool. Like the graphics are one thing. We can make it super fun. It's kind of like, you know, early 90s inspired um, Mr. Beast, you know, rappers. But then once you open it up, it was the first time that we ever designed an actual chocolate bar. So check this out. So the bar itself is a custom design bar and you can see these ripples that the bottom part, which is about 80% of the bar, 90% of the bar says devour. Mm. And that's for you just to devour this delicious chocolate. But in classic Mr. Beast fashion, the top part is perforated and it says share. So we're 
it's like one of one more little brand touch point or brand um, extension, right? Where it's like, hey, what does Mr. Beast do? He shares. He shares his wealth. He shares his property. He shares his his fun. And so we always want to make sure that that people are sharing. And so we we actually designed it into the bar itself to break off and encourage um, sharing of it. And it's funny because we we I've kind of walked this through on a couple of different podcast interviews and stuff. <laughs> and like multiple people now have been like, oh, wow, I didn't even notice that. I just ate the whole bar. <laughs> like, dude, how did you not notice that it says share? <laughs> but I guess the chocolate's pretty good. So and it was fun too working with the Peruvian manufacturer because um, usually in production, you have this thing called MOQ, minimum order quantity, where you have to hit a certain minimum in order for that manufacturer to to produce your product. So usually it's like 10,000 units or something along those lines. And so the, you know, the, the Peruvian chocolatier, the chocolate company, like they, they had never heard of Mr. Beast. Right. And they're like, so we do have like a 5,000 minimum order quantity. <laughs> is that going to be a problem? And they're like, well, our first order is going to be a million bars. Is that going to be a problem? <laughs> <laughs> So for launch, they freaking ordered a million bars and in three different flavors. So you can see here in the variety pack, right? You've got wow. the just like the almond chocolate, the quinoa crunch, and the OG right here. So pretty fun stuff. And you know, a lot of the food, especially in natural and organic foods packaging that we do, um, we were able to bring, yeah, sure, like it's super fun and super cool and a good extension of Mr. Beast. But also we were able to bring in some classic CPG um, design, you know, tricks that not only sell it, sell the bar because it's Mr. Beast, but also because you've got this like gorgeous chocolate bar that's coming out of this like dripping, you know, gooey chocolate and like really bringing that taste appeal out. And, uh, and, and being a legitimate chocolate bar rather than just like a little project or a little, you know, something that Mr. Beast put out. Yeah. That's cool. How, how involved were you in this specific project from a kind of a, the design sessions? Were you in them? Pretty involved. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty involved with this one. Is there a memorable sure. moment? Like, I, I just, I, I'm yes. conscious that some of the designers <laughs> yes, will tell, tell us about that, but our, design, our audience, plenty of our audience may not be familiar with the design process. Like just paint us a picture of what yeah. was happening in that, in that moment and what they were trying yeah. to achieve and what, yeah, what your memory is. This is great. So quick, quick design process. Uh, we start by absorbing, right? A kickoff me where you just absorb. What are your goals? What are you trying to do here? What's going to make you unique? You know, what does the market look like? And they just feed us information. And a lot of that is assumptive and that's fine at that stage. And then we speak with consumers. We do some quick quants, sometimes some qualitative insights where we just need to understand that consumer, what they're going to want, what they're going to buy. Um, and then we go into what we call vision. So it's the vision phases where we create vision boards, which is a group of imagery that it goes far beyond like a mood board. It's a vision for the world in which this brand or this product is going to live. And if this product had already existed, it would have been aspirational enough to have been included in our vision board had it existed. So it kind of sets the bar for where we're going and then creatively points us in a certain direction. So color palette, type, packaging, form factors, materials, people, homes, stuff like that. 
So once the vision set, then we go into the concept exploration phase where it's just cranking out as many concepts as we can. And then we brush a whole bunch of them to the side. And then I think we presented to the night team, gosh, probably 20, 25 concepts at, at, on the first round. Um, and they were pretty fleshed out concepts. It wasn't just little sketches. And so we, we, you know, had all these different, different directions that we could have gone and we whittled it down to like five different directions. And then the next call, Jimmy came on. And so we're presenting it to him and he's like, you know, ton of energy. Right. And, and it wasn't super distant from where we ended up the, the concepts at this point, but he goes, no, 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 guys, 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 like, you just got to put my face on it. That's all. <laughs> like, just put my face, like, like the whole thing, like wherever you have chocolate, just like put my face. <laughs> and, and we're, <laughs> we're like, Jimmy, dude, dude, hundred percent, man. We'll come back to you with, with a few concepts with your face on it. And so he came back with, you know, he has this kind of like signature move where he's like this and he did that. And then we did like this other stuff. And then just like this, you know, the go, his little like goatee thing, like, you know, all these different illustrations and stuff. And, and, um, and, and so we presented it to him and in a spirit of collaboration, they were, they were great concepts. And then I said, Jimmy, let's just remember one thing. I know that people are going to buy this because it's coming from Mr. Beast and they want to be part of, they want to participate with you in this venture, but they're going to eat it and repurchase it, which is going to help grow this into a legitimate company and not just a stunt if the chocolate is good. And in order for that to sell, we need to follow some pretty tried and true um, CPG design uh, elements, one of which is taste appeal. So you gotta have like juicy, delicious chocolate on the cover. And so we just went back and forth, back and forth. And we finally chose the one with um, Jimmy's face on it. And we delivered the files because that's what he wanted, delivered the files. And then about a month and a half later, we got him back from press and guess whose face was gone <laughs> and the chocolate and the chocolate was back. So I'm glad that they did that. I have nothing against Jimmy's face. He's got a beautiful face, but it's uh, for selling chocolate bars. You want to, you want people to be attracted to that chocolate. So whenever it comes up in the studio where it's become just an ongoing thing, it's like, Oh, just put my face on it. <laughs> it's awesome. And he wasn't wrong as the thing, right? Like yeah. people see him and they're like, Oh, I want that. I want Mr. Beast. So from a, a, a self-branded standpoint, that was right. But from a Feastables one level up and then launching a Mr. Beast bar subline, sub-brand, the right decision was to sell chocolate. And ultimately, that's what we went with. And um, I was just emailing with Jim, who's the CEO now. And uh, he says they're just crushing it, mm. like absolutely crushing it. So pretty exciting. Yeah. And for all those that don't know Mr. Beast by... But you know, by the way he looks, um, that wouldn't you know. That's probably a good a good call anyway. I I actually know Mr. Beast. You know how I know Mr. Beast for a whole year. My son would obviously homeschooled through COVID, so yeah, to keep an eye on whether he's playing games or not. <laughs> he was right in front of my home office uh, monitor, so from yes. from from where I'm stood right now, I could see his display monitor, and so over a year, I must have watched the corner of my eye 
dozens and yep. dozens of Mr. Beast yeah. uh, videos, which I wouldn't usually, I guess, watch, <laughs> but they're, you know, pretty clever stuff. So yeah, it is. in relation to what you just shared, you say it came back from press, but did they do some A-B testing on it then and figured out it didn't work or did you do A-B testing? How, how? Yeah, so this this process was so scrappy that we mm. didn't we didn't do any post design A/B testing outside of the studio. Yeah. So generally speaking, we would, um, but this one is just because it was yeah. so scrappy that we just did testing in 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 the studio, and then they did it on the night side as well. Mm. I think that's probably what tipped the scales. Wow. Tico chocolate. How how yeah. uh, how early in the in the design and concept process was the share and devour thing? Like, was that? Was that in there? Yeah. I, I mean, to, to be honest, like, I love that. And I think that that touches something that, like, I wish more people could could experience. Like, when, when you come up with those moments, like, I, I think that th there's just something yeah. about that that's so clear from a, a brand, a story, you know, just every perspective you can imagine. It's like all the dots have connected. And I'm yeah. wondering, yeah, so how early on was that part of, uh, cool. of, of concept? So I'm glad that you pulled that out, Josh, because the like I said before, you know, there's a number of studios in the world that could create something that's beautiful and that people are going to like. Right. Okay. And we had, I don't know, dozens of chocolate bar designs, 3d printed. We actually poured our own molds so that we could test, you know, the, the patterns and the details with chocolate, the actual chocolate that had been shipped up from Peru and melted down and poured into our silicone molds. Mm. Um, and so there's a lot of testing that went into making sure that this bar could be executed with the detail that, that we needed it to. Um, and, and, and it would have been a great chocolate bar, a well-designed chocolate bar with these cool ripples and details in it. And there's lots of cool chocolate bars out there, but where we really thrive and, um, and focus on is that we're always seeking to create that emotional connection right. between this inanimate object and the consumer. Mm -hmm. And even though if we had just left it at a cool design, a cool ripple designer, a cool faceted designer, all these different concepts that we had, people would have thought, oh, that's a cool chocolate bar. That's the coolest chocolate bar I've ever seen. But it still wouldn't have communicated Jimmy's brand, his mm -hmm. ethos, his you know, mission and, and what drives him. And so the emotional touch point or the emotional hook here was this like physical manifestation of his sharing, of his giving, of his love for, you know, his followers. And so somebody had just sketched it out. I don't, I don't even remember which designer it was. And I remember when it happened. And the idea was like, what if we did like 50-50? What if, you know, it was like you share half and, it, and then it, and it ended up being like, well, actually, like you want most of it for yourself, but you want to share enough of it. So like, you know, we did a few different models and printed them and poured, you know, the prototypes of chocolate and everything. And in the end, it was like this 80-20 split because oh, you bought a chocolate bar, you want to eat it. But we always want to remind people to be kind and share. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm. I love that. I love that detail. I love that it it has that emotional connection to it. Like I don't know, there's just something yeah. about that. Like I would buy that chocolate bar just for that. Like and I don't know. Yeah. It's it's amazing. It's it's really cool. Anyway, I'm, I'm going. Cool. I'm going. And I'm that's Mr. Go. Beast. Yeah, you know, yeah. Right. that's him. Exactly. Exactly. Uh I'm going to go get one tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty, pretty hungry right now. I might come down to your yeah. office actually. Half an hour. Yeah, come, come um, down. I, I got boxes of them here. <laughs> it, it's interesting because it, it's it, those moments. I mean, it would have still been a great truck, right? It probably would have had just as much success maybe without that mm -hmm. bit, right? But, it, but that just makes it 
totally on 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 his you know yeah. personality and that those moments don't always come they often come we've had them josh right many times mm -hmm. but it, it sometimes they come by accident or just one throwaway comment just is there a part mm -hmm. of your methodology i know we need to finish up now but is there a part of your methodology that you found to be more successfully getting to that point um yeah because they do just happen you know kind of by accident sometimes yeah yeah they do um you're right i think the way that we get there consistently isn't so much uh, a happy accident as much as it is the people. So what I mean by that is we are always striving in our design process to understand the consumer, love the consumer, and create something that that consumer will love. And so we know them. We get to know them very, very well. And we get to know them well enough that we can create something that they're going to lust after. Now, in Mr. B's case, we needed to get to know him, but we didn't get to spend a lot of time with him. Mm. Um, so because he's so busy, right? It was mostly the night media team that we were we were working with on a day to day basis. But the times that we did get to meet with Jimmy, the um, you know it wasn't as high energy as his videos because that's his stage presence, right? But watching so many of his videos and then spending time with him and hearing him talk about his mission, we got to know the person and we got to love the person and we got to get to a point where we could create something that he would love and that more importantly, he would love to give to others. Mm -hmm. and, and that emotion there, that connection, that intimate uh, you know, connection is what we're always seeking. And so it starts with the consumer and it ends with the consumer. And with, mm. it, with Jimmy's case, where the brand is a person, it starts with Jimmy, it ends with Jimmy in the design process, but ultimately it ends with the consumers that he loves and that love him back. And how can we delight them every time? Yeah, no, I, lo I love that. So really f falling in love with your customer and really yeah. knowing it, thinking like him, right? Yes. Really, uh, that's great. Yes. Well, Josh, we need to wrap up, and we need to let Bo go. Do we though? This is so I fun, know. We, you guys. I know. This is awesome. I love spending <laughs> well, time with you guys. <laughs> well, maybe. I, 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 I'm going to give you a challenge. No, not even a challenge. But I hope that that I don't know how you reward and recognize your 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 teams, but even when someone comes up with that idea, and I know it was collectively, I guess you, you know, they suggested that idea and it got adapted, and you you know yeah. it landed it landed. Uh, hopefully they get an unlimited supply of chocolate at home. That, that individual. <laughs> I mean, come on. They they have more chocolate than they know what to do with. We've got bars. We so we bought our bars by the way because um, we wanted to support the business. Uh, but I bought so many Mr. Beast bars for both the Oakland and the Salt Lake studio. Even though this was all ran out of the Salt Lake studio, uh, but bought bars for both studios so that everybody can can have them. So <laughs> the designers have so much chocolate. <laughs> like, it's a great idea, though, Spencer. This was a this was a great conversation, and yeah, I know. Um, so we we can we can guarantee you that this episode is going to come out very very soon. We're going to try to partner your first episode up with this episode. We'll let viewers right. know of the time difference and everything like that. But 
I'll tell, I'll tell you what, there were, there, even going into this interview, Spencer and I were talking about this one and, you know, we'll, we'll usually prepare a little bit for an interview, as you know, right? Like you've experienced mm -hmm. that preparation and, you know, sometimes we have certain questions awesome. that we want to ask it's and reconnaissance team over there. Yeah, a little bit, but um, this one <laughs> felt more, more, more conversational. Like we were ready to get, you know, deeper in certain things. And I think it'd be fun, yeah. you know, you know, I, ideally to get you on again at some point, you know, and go even deeper into, into something that, that, that's just now coming, you know, whenever something new comes out, you know, we'd love to have you on again. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll get these Absolutely. two episodes out and just great conversation. Oh, sounds great. Yeah. Well, let, let's just plan on, you know, every year let's touch base. I mean, it's been a year and so much has changed. Let's just make sure that every year we're touching base and spending an hour together and more than happy to do so. And gosh, I'm learning so much, you guys, every day I'm learning. Yeah. So I, I live by an all ships rise mentality. So happy to come and just share anything I can. Yeah, that's, that's, cool. that's sort of, hopefully that's, it's helpful. That's fantastic. And and maybe the next session we do, uh, we've started to do live um, live podcasts with a, a live audience at Kiln. And this mm -hmm. would have been a full house, right? But, um, you know, we've done it through Zoom this time. But next time, let's do cool. a live audience um, oh, yeah, and go from there. Great. And, and, I, and I'd love to get into um, maybe the, the village community. Yeah. Um, and, and the strength of that and the gaps in that and how do you really all these folks and i'm not sure how many you have now and you, know, mm -hmm. you would class 18 full-time on on village right village okay um yeah. but everyone Which did consist connected. of some enlistees yeah. as well so we actually right. pulled pulled somebody over from enlisted side into the village side so it's a very mm -hmm. cross-pollinated team but that would be a good episode spencer to actually win the village so the village team is mostly uh remote so everybody's mm -hmm. from all over and uh, like I know right now, the village teams in Utah at, at Patterns headquarters this week, but usually they're in Atlanta and Chicago and LA and wherever else. Um, but one time when they're in town, it'd be really interesting to get three or four people from village. You know, we get the head of product development, brand, uh, myself, uh, the president, you know, retail, like it'd be interesting to get all of that together, data and have five mm -hmm. of us on the stage to, be able to really break down what we're doing. That'd be yeah. awesome. Great stuff. Well, um, cool. any last bit of advice for our audience or anything you want to finish off with? <laughs> yeah, I, I know this takes a lot of um, effort. So instead of me giving advice, I'm going to give you some praise and gratitude. I know this takes a lot of effort, what you guys are doing. Um, and I just so appreciate you keeping the momentum and these interviews and extracting leadership and thought. And I enjoy listening to the episodes and just want you guys to, to, to know that uh, you've got an audience out there that really appreciates what you do. So thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. Uh, thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, thanks, Bo. Yeah. And have a wonderful Absolutely. evening with your family. Thanks. <laughs> Hopefully you hey, can go great to now. see you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. All right, you guys. See you. Josh Spencer, see talk you. to you later. Thanks, thanks All right. Thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Swell Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe. And if you did enjoy the podcast, please be sure to leave a review uh, and get involved in the conversation on all the major socials at The Swell Pod. We'll see you next time. Thank you.